0: Platforms. This is an Irish independent podcast.
1: On the 31st of January in 1984, a 15-year-old girl lay down beside a grotto in the County Longford town of Granard, and she gave birth alone. It was known she was pregnant, you
0: know, it was known. And I don't see why they should hide the fact,
1: like we all talk, but still not, it could happen to any of us. Now, as she lay semi-conscious, her stillborn baby boy lay by her side alongside a pair of scissors used to cut the umbilical cord. No one on the staff knew that she was pregnant. Had
0: we known about Anne's pregnancy, we would have taken her with understanding
1: and compassion. That young girl's name was Anne Lovett. And her story, almost four decades on, is one Ireland will never, ever forget. I'm Siobhan McGuire and today on the Indo-Daily, we tell Anne's story with the help of Emily O'Reilly, who is European ombudsman. But back in 1984, Emily was the young journalist who broke that story. Emily O'Reilly, you broke the story for the Sunday Tribune on the 5th of February in 1984. The headline of that article read, Girl 15 Dies After Giving Birth in Field. Now this is five days after Anne Lovett and her baby died. Can you tell us how you heard about this tragic event? Well,
0: uh, I, was, I was working obviously in the, in the Sunday uh, Tribune, and it, it's important to remember that in those days uh, we had we had RTE and we had local newspapers and the national dailies, but there was no local radio even uh, at, at the time, and certainly you no know, internet, social media, or anything. So. But we're when you talk about five days, it would be a long time now. But there were, you know, these these stories did not get out and circulate in, in the way that they would do now. So, I mean, it was very simple. Uh, Brian Trench was was the news editor at the time. And I remember I was standing in the middle of the newsroom and he looked up and he said, Emily, I just got a a call from somebody to say that a, a young girl had died uh, giving birth um uh, in, in Granard, uh, he told me your name, and love it. And he said, will you check it out? And so I went to, and in those days we, we kept the, the, the newspapers, uh, in a, in a sort of a file, you know, um, uh, the, 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 Indo and, and, and the Irish times and, and the examiner. So, so I went in and, and literally just looked back through the, the death notices for, for that for that week. And then I found uh, Anne's death. And um, yeah, that was that was the start of that.
1: And for a, a newsroom to run with this story, Emily, and, and more importantly, uh, put it on the front page and, and name Anne. I mean, this was very significant because Ireland wasn't exactly a kind place to those who who were pregnant outside of marriage in 1984.
0: No, and of course you'll have to remember we had just, this is just less than a year after the abortion referendum, the pro-life amendment, uh, referendum um, campaign in 1983.
1: Uh, The President uh, has yet to sign the Eighth Amendment to the Constitution and it awaits his signature before it becomes part of Bunruk-Naheran. It will read as follows, that the state acknowledges the right to life of the unborn and with due regard to the equal right to life of the mother, guarantees in its law to respect and so far as practicable by its laws to defend and to vindicate that right.
0: And we we know that there was essentially a constitutional veto on abortion uh, put in. And uh, of course, we were told at the time by the people who were promoting the amendment and the veto that, um, you know, young girls, women who got pregnant and and were unhappy about it uh, had no need to fear that they would be looked after, and and all of this. And so, I suppose the juxtaposition of of those two events was interesting. But I think, look, leaving even leaving the amendment outside of the outside of that, um, the idea of of a young teenage girl dying in those circumstances and her baby dying was was, was just uh, horrific. So. We we checked. I checked out the story. I remember ringing the the police. Uh, I think in Granard, uh, and and they confirmed it. And then I rang the nuns, the convent uh, where Ada got to school, and they confirmed it. But then kind of went silent. So we had enough information, obviously, to to write the story. And then I remember lots of people gathered in the newsroom and we discussed uh, whether we would, would name the girl or not. Now, there was no legal impediment to naming her because Anne was dead and her baby was dead. And, um, but then I remember Maggie O'Kane, uh, who's a journalist in the Tribune at the time, later went on to, to the Guardian and so on. I remember very clearly she said nobody will remember a nameless girl but everybody will remember Anne Lovett and the fact that you and I are having this conversation so many decades later is is testament to that. Anne Lovett's death has shocked and saddened the people of this quiet country town. It was in this churchyard that she went to give birth to the child that apparently no one knew about. The child, a baby boy, died at birth and 15-year-old Anne died a short time later in hospital after being found by a passerby.
1: And after that story on the Sunday, Emily, it, it just blew up that the whole country was talking about Anne Lovett and um, perhaps we can go back to that cold and wet day in, in January 1984 um, and what we learned about Anne and her little baby boy. Could you talk us through the narrative?
0: Well, there was very little we really knew. We knew that she had died, um and it was I think it was beside a, a, a grotto, a statue of the Virgin Mary or something like that, which of course added a lot of poignancy, uh, to say the least uh, to the story. I think two young boys had come across her, had found her. I think the baby had been born. Uh, I don't think Anne died then, but but she died later. so we knew that. Um, But apart from that, nothing. Um, So, and and the town, just the village just climbed up. I remember going down there subsequently and, um, uh, you know, it was walking up and down the town and trying to get people to talk to you and it it was impossible. Nobody, nobody wanted to talk. Now I did eventually. I was in the, the, staying in the local hotel and, and in the evening having a drink and some of the local men sort of, Started talking about it and, and saying pe- people knew, but they all thought somebody else knew and somebody else was taking care of her and so on. So, I mean, honestly, that really does remain a mystery as to as, as to what happened. I mean, the, the family didn't talk, and actually, just a very short time later, relatively, maybe within a year or so, her. Sister died. And, and if you go to Granard and, and look at the, the gravestone, you see the gravestone with, with um, Anne's name, with her sister's name and with the, with the the baby as well. The grave of Anne and her child is bedecked with floral tributes, symbols of love and affection that she was either too ashamed or too frightened to seek.
1: Emily, what you, you had in, in Granard on that Tuesday um, was a, a 15-year-old girl who... Um, Walking home from her lunch break, uh, but instead of heading home, um, going to that field where the grotto was, and giving birth to a baby who was stillborn, giving birth alone, um, having a, a scissors with her to cut the umbilical cord. And then as 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 uh, you quite rightly pointed out, you had a, a group of boys uh, discovering Anne and, and raising the alarm for her. Um, and what followed was uh, a lot of discourse about how people in the town couldn't have known she was pregnant. But... I mean Ireland in the 1980s was so different and and pregnancies were concealed and and hidden all the time weren't they well, they were, and I suppose to a certain extent still are, and in, in, in some places, even
0: in Ireland, because, you know, for, for for many reasons, but particularly in those days, yes. And of course, she was a young girl, the extent to which she knew what was going on, understood her body. Obviously, when if she, as was reported at the time, she took a scissors, then she did know something about the act of, of, of giving birth and what it would Entail uh, obviously, but I mean, as you describe it there, and I'm, of course, I'm a mother many times over myself now. I was quite a young woman at that time; I was in my early, relatively early twenties, anyway. So I didn't have that sensibility or sensitivity around that, in, in 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 some ways that that you know that I have now, knowing what it's like to give birth in optimum circumstances. And now I look back and think, what it must have been uh, like for her. But as for people not knowing, I'm I'm not sure that that is the case uh, because. Uh, when I did tiptoe down there um, a few days after after the story had broken, uh, and eventually some men from the town did did speak to me in, in the evening in, in in the hotel, and and they they said that people had known, but everybody thought that somebody else was was uh, was looking after. And of course, it is a very private matter. And even if you did know, you might imagine that her parents knew, or that you know the nuns knew, or teachers knew. So you know, people can be loath to to get involved if if they if they assume that that uh, somebody else is taking care of it. You know, so we don't know. It's it's still only speculation as to what happened to because nobody in in that family has ever has ever spoken about it.
1: And I even remember reading articles 25 years later after the event, um, Emily, where, you know, journalists had revisited Granard again and were knocking on doors again. But uh, once more, there was a stony silence. Uh, People were refusing to to talk about um, Anne's story or or expect um, the media to to uh, believe that they would be able to get the information they were after. But then we had a very incredible um, thing happen in 2018 where um, a wonderful journalist, Rosita Boland, uh, writing for the Irish Times, had a bit of a breakthrough on the story. Can you talk to us a little bit about that?
0: Secrets. This is a country full of secrets. And because we haven't faced up to them, they're always there, ready to trip us up like a minefield that hasn't been cleared. There's a saying psychologists use, secrets are the rocks on which we perish. The truth of that struck me this weekend, reading Rosita Boland's extraordinary interview in the Irish Times with a man who had not spoken for 34 years. Rosita was um, going back over the story and I remember I I spoke to her about it and and, uh, she, you know, tried to get, new information about it uh, and she wrote a wonderful piece but there wasn't that much initially there wasn't that much additional um information and then however as a result of the article she was contacted by somebody who put her in touch with the person who had been Anne's boyfriend uh, at that time uh and so you know she she interviewed him so that obviously brought the story on a lot i mean it wasn't you know concluded that that he was he was the father of a of child but he presented as as the um as the boyfriend and actually it was funny because i remember when i when i read that piece and saw his 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 photograph i actually remembered having met him decades earlier because i remember at one point it must have been I don't know, perhaps five years after Anne died, I I kind of revisited the story. And there was another journalist, a a British journalist who asked me to help her. So I think I was down in Granard and she had met this young man and there was a kind of a question mark over him as to whether he was Anne's boyfriend. But, you know, at that time he wasn't saying too much. But when I saw his face, even though obviously he was a lot older, I I recognised him. But another... Well, what was what was amazing about Rosita's story is that there was a long last a photograph of Anne uh, because that was one of the things I often remarked upon and in many interviews I've done about this over the years is that nobody had ever seen her, nobody had ever seen what she looked like. And of course, at this day, when everything is, is photographed and filmed and video, that seems incredible. But um, I remember... Uh, some not that well it was when I was Irish almost, and so it might have been around I don't know 2010 or something I was contacted by a woman and said she had a photograph of Anne, and would I like to see it of course I said yes she, she gave me a photograph and actually what it was there, there was a school trip um, by from the girls in, in, in the convent in, in Granard up to Dublin to one of the museums and the, the girl who took the photograph wasn't taking a photograph of Anne but she was taking a photograph of a, some statue in the place and Anne said, "Just happened to be in the picture, uh, and that was the first time I'd seen her. Unfortunately, I lost the photograph, but anyway, it had been given to me privately, so I wasn't about to to, to publish it. But I really found it really. I always had a I had a picture of her in in my mind, you know, um, and it it was kind of borne out by the picture that uh, was eventually uh, shown. never when, when Rosita wrote those stories."
1: Rosita, you know, was able to give us a, a, a new description of Anne, you know, that, that, that this was a, a young woman, you know, who who, who wasn't this this kind of um, uh, beaten down um, little girl. You know, she she was strong willed and she was popular and she was intelligent. And and, you know, we're suddenly getting an insight into into this girl who was so vivacious and full of life.
0: Absolutely. I mean, you got the um, got the impression of, as as you say, a vivacious young woman, you know, and possibly a bit a bit quirky, you know, artistic, creative. I I always felt that about her, you know. And and when I read the descriptions that Rosita had in in her pace, in her in her uh, in, in her articles, um, that sort of uh, that that's that that sort of reminded me uh, of of that sort of image I'd I'd have. I'd had offer for whatever reason, but I, I mean, it's, um, I mean, I, 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 in some ways I feel sadder about it today. I, I don't know. I mean, there's something incredibly sad and poignant, even about the fact that we're, 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 we're talking about it. And, and, you know, when I look now, my, my girls that I have are, a lot older even now than than Anne was at the time. And so I I suppose I identify much more with with what happened. Uh, And it is extraordinary that it was a story that just, you know, resonated so much. And I think, as I said, it was partly the context of the time, but also just the sheer harrowing awfulness of it, the idea of it. Girl, imagine one one minute you're in school, you're coming out for lunch and then you're very deliberately going somewhere to hide to have your baby. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's awful.
1: It is. It, it's a harrowing image, and and you know you could couldn't even begin to imagine what was going through her mind at the time, um, and and uh, again Rosita's article when she did speak with the the boyfriend he had some claims that um, Anne had visited him the previous April with bruising to her thighs. And uh, also that she had written two letters, one to him, which he was told to burn. Um, Now, whatever the the details, whatever happened, Anne, um, as you pointed out earlier, Emily, here we are four decades on still talking about her. Do you think we'll ever know the truth of what happened?
0: But when you say, you know, I I mean, what was interesting at the time, if I recall correctly, and, and you can check this, there was a call for an inquiry into what had happened. And the late Nuala Fennell was a Minister for Women's Affairs, I think, uh, uh, at at the time. And um, I think she was tasked with doing a report on this. Now, I'm I'm recalling this from memory, even to speak to you, so you can check this out, but nothing ever appeared. Now, the big difference now is that um, certainly if there had been, there would have undoubtedly been an investigation into some shape or form. Uh, and, and that investigation, I'm sure, appropriately redacted, would have been would have been made public. But I, I always wondered what what happened to that report and, and why it never came out, or you know what was.
1: Was in yeah, it. yeah. And, and when you mention uh, Nuala Fennell, what what I recall, Emily, is uh, that as minister, she made the comments about Granard, uh, likening the the town to the valley of the squinting windows, and uh, and that essentially um, had the locals close ranks. Um, and 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 could you really blame them if they're being accused of you know peeking at the curtains and saying nothing and and keeping the secret and and not telling the rest of the country?
0: Well, yeah, but at the same time, I mean, for most of the people in, in the town, it was none of their business, you know. Anne was, Anne was a young girl. She was in a family. She was going to school, you know, so she had all those institutional and family supports around her, as one would have thought. So, I mean, it, it was an easy caricature, and I possibly may have slipped into it myself, you know, that the Valley of the Squinting windows and, and, and all of that. But, you know, I think the town felt... Um, I think the word that was used was scandalise, we're scandalising the town. But I, I do think, you know, people perhaps justifiably felt hurt. You know, people who, who who would have thought, well, had I known and had I known that she wasn't getting support for whatever reason, either not asking for it or not getting it, we would, of course, have helped. We would not have allowed that to happen uh, to, to a young girl. So, I mean, I think it's too... Black and white to say, you know, tiny little Midlands town and, you know, they're all of a particular disposition and they all close ranks and didn't care. I, I don't think that's that's particularly fair, because, as I said, when when I did speak to the few people that did speak to me at the time, they did say that, you know, pe- people knew but, you know, if you think in your own circumstances, think of your own community, think if you spot something happening in, in with a particular member of that community, you're not necessarily going to go barreling in. You're, you're going to assume that somebody's taking care of it unless you find evidence that that is not actually the case, you know. Uh, but, of course, you know, I remember... Um, I remember OTE Today Tonight or whatever configuration that the program was at the time went down to Granard, um and and uh, i'm not sure that i can't even recall whether whether anybody spoke to them but like nowadays you can imagine you'd have sky you'd have you know so everybody piling down but it but in those days i mean the, the people of granite thought they were overrun by media but in fact you know compared to what would have happened now it was it, it was nothing but relative to the time it, it did seem a lot to them you know
1: absolutely and and i guess emily finally um do you think that the the tragedy of anne Lovett um has helped change and shape attitudes for the better in ireland well
0: yeah in some ways you know it, it it's still you know to me the the equivalent of the um of the Anne Lovett tragedy, and in some ways even worse, was the death of Sabita Halepenavar. Not that long ago, when we were all supposed to have moved on, and when, because of the abortion amendment, which had been passed a year before Anne Lovett died, I mean, you know what happened. Uh, she was going to have a miscarriage. Uh, she wanted a DNC, she wasn't given to it because the, the fetal heartbeat was still there, and then she got an infection and she died. And it was that that eventually prompted the removal of the amendment. So it took a long time. It took a long time. I mean, no doubt Anne's Steph, they maybe bring about some, you know, cultural shift or people started thinking differently about this or people were more mindful of, 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 of this issue. But, you know, when I, when I look back at, at what happened to Savita, I think it took us an awful long time to learn those lessons.
1: And that was Emily O'Reilly. I'm Siobhan McGuire and today's episode of the Indo Daily was presented and produced by myself, researched by Tabitha Monahan, with sound design by John Smith. Archive clips from Independent.ie, the RTE archives, the Scanall collection on the RTE player and RTE Radio 1. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.